This program is sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. Welcome to For Zion's Sake. Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet, until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. We thank you for joining us with the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's a delight to be with you as we continue on a theme that we started on Monday morning, and that was not to be ashamed of the gospel. And we, again, it's important to repeat that the meanings of that, the meaning of the word ashamed in both the Greek and the Hebrew are various. For example, uh, an example would be if you have expectations and they fail, you feel ashamed. But ashamed in both languages mean to be confounded, confused, disappointed, walking in reproach, hurt, disgraced, and dishonored. And we pointed out with all the difficulties that Paul went through, such as imprisonment in Philippi in Acts 16, smuggled out of Berea in Acts 17, and mocked in Athens in Acts 17, called a fool in Corinth and stoned in Galatia, he wrote to the church in Rome and said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And we pointed out there's a tremendous connection between the words salvation, uh, righteousness, redemption. For example, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, "For For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So he died, we were free to be saved by his work at the cross, and were called to live in righteousness. Another example was in uh, Psalm 11, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, their salvation, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Junie, it's so encouraging that God has given us his righteousness when he took upon him our sins. Yes, Shelley, but it didn't end there because we couldn't live in righteousness if Jesus wasn't resurrected. Amen. And if Jesus didn't send us his resurrected spirit of truth and the power that's in that spirit lives in those who know the Lord. That's why it's not our own righteousness. It's his righteousness. So the gospel um, has the righteousness of God. He died that we might become the righteousness of God. And as we yield all life every day to him, 
His righteousness lives through us. Amen. And again, I think of the kingdom of God, Junie, Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We have to have self-righteousness destroyed and live by His righteousness. Yesterday we spent time in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'd just like to read those verses because we're going to stay, stay in 2 Timothy today also. 2 Timothy 1 verses 8 to 12. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which has granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearance of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. Junie, powerful verses, which really brings in the reality that as believers, if we're serving God, there is going to be suffering. And so let's go on in 2 Timothy 2, Junie, to chapter 2, and we're going to read the first uh, first verses. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Junie, this speaks so loud and clear that we are not to entangle ourselves and be so preoccupied with the natural things of life. But we have, the Lord has enlisted us in his army. And in this day and age, God is raising up an end time army who is not to be entangled in the affairs of the world, but hear what the commander in chief is saying and that we could live according to that gospel, which entails suffering. And what is amazing, Shelley, is if we do entangle ourselves with the affairs of this world, that means the immediate situation, circumstances, problems uh, become our life or self. What will this mean for me? What's going to happen to me? Uh, if I do this, uh, will it have a good outcome or a yes, bad outcome? Lord. That's entangling ourselves with the affairs of this life. But Paul considered himself a prisoner of, of the Messiah, which means he thought of eternal things. Yes, Lord. What will this mean for your purposes, Lord, in the earth, for Israel, for the church? And what am I uh, to do to bring glory to you? And it's no small thing, Shelley, to be a housewife or to be a contractor or to take care of uh, gardens. If we do everything 
to the glory of God and our mind is set on eternal purposes, the sufferings that we experience, whether it's physical, emotional, uh, uh, our heart uh, is broken over something that we will declare before principalities and powers that we are living for the purposes of God and we choose Jesus. We choose to believe in the King of the Jews, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and might his life come alive in me and transform me. Amen. You know, a way to live, Shelley, that the sufferings don't overtake us, but, uh, The Spirit of God, the resurrected Messiah, brings us through in glory. And and those around us recognize that we're different. Why why aren't you complaining? I don't understand. Why are you going through this Mm. this way? So our life becomes a testimony, not only to the principalities and powers, but to our family and the circle that God has us in. Amen. Junie, you just spoke in just very simple terms another verse that we were going to go look at, and that is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. You know, Junie, you know what makes... This is my thought. If there is no suffering as a Christian, there's something wrong with our Christianity. We are not uh, called to accommodate uh, ungodly things in our lives. We are supposed to be a distinctly different people, which will put us as an offense to the rest of the world. But God says, if we suffer as a Christian, we should not be ashamed. But in that suffering to glorify God. You know what that reminds me of, Shelley? What's that? We're married 54 years. The first 10 years of our marriage, we were a Jewish couple that were, uh, through your business uh, expertise, were on our way to make a million. We had three beautiful children, and we were very happily married. Really? We had a lot of friends. Our family loved us. We loved them. And then... I got saved. (laughs) I came to the knowledge of Jesus. And you were so upset with me. I destroyed your career. Most of the men in in your office were uh, executive Jewish men. And they found out that your wife believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And trouble started. And then when you got saved, and then your uh, faith brought the company to a position where they fired you, Everything turned upside down, and our family thought we were crazy, and our friends were afraid of us. The whole point is that we didn't choose to leave our family. We didn't choose to make new friends, but the Lord was an offense because we were living for the one who died for us. That's right. And Shelley... I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all those that believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, and the righteousness of God is revealed in this gospel from faith to faith. And glory to glory, Shelley, 
We're really blessed, aren't we? We really are. Oh, thank and you, Lord. And every believer yes. should be blessed. Yes. And I, I would just say to each one listening, if there's not been some hardship because of your belief, if there's not been animosity directed towards you, perhaps there's something wrong in the lifestyle that you're living. We need to become an offense by our way of life. And you know what? I know the church is called to provoke our Jewish people to jealousy, but all believers are called to provoke an ungodly world to jealousy. And uh, I'm sure you're not saying this, but it could sound like we should look to be an offense. No, no, no. I know you're not saying that, but our love for the Lord and our trust in the Lord and obedience to the Lord brings an offense. Yes. Because Jesus's life living the way he did. His brothers didn't know he was the Messiah, and he lived a life of rejection. And that's something that's been a heartache to us, but it's also been a glory in the sense that we want to love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to declare that we love you, Lord, and we seek you and your righteousness above all else. And I pray something would take place in the life of every listener, that they would see there's something so much greater than we even see through our natural eyes. But Lord, you are a sovereign God, you're a wonderful God, a loving Father. And you want to bring us to the place where we glorify you daily. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelly and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784. Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, ShellyandJuneVolk.com. That's ShellyandJuneVolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund.